Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. That he, uh, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and say, saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Amen. And so we're continuing to talk about Pentecostal worship. But tonight, specifically, I want to address, I want to talk to us about, do you know who you worship? Do you know who you worship? And over the last several weeks, this is our fourth service to talk about worship. And over the last few weeks, we talked about how that worship was unifying, that even though in our diversity and all of our differences, we are um, all going to gather together and we're going to worship the Lord, especially when we get to heaven. Every nation, tribe, tongue is going to be there to worship the Lord. Worship transforms us. Um, there's thanksgiving in worship. There is praise in worship. When we praise and we worship the Lord, sometimes we do it verbally. It's the fruit of our lips. Sometimes we do it demonstratively. We jump up and down. We shout. We run. We, we demonstrate in a physical way. Sometimes it's musically. We're singing or we are playing an instrument of some kind. And so worship has different forms and praise takes on different uh, manifestations but we also talked about and it's mentioned in these verses that there are two aspects of worship it is in spirit and in truth and when you look at these verses and it says that we worship God in spirit in the spirit it you'll notice that it's a small s which is talking about our spirit we worship the Lord in our spirit, which means it's our worship, it's your worship, it's your experience in worship. It's talking about our spirit connecting with the spirit of the Lord. And so it's subjective, it's, it's how I worship, it's how I love the Lord, it's how I express myself, it's how you do it, it's your experience. Because praise needs to be personal. It doesn't just need to be led from the pulpit here. It doesn't just need to be somebody standing up here, let's raise our hands, let's clap. Let's do this, let's do that. But praise needs to be your own personal expression. If you feel like shouting, then shout. If you feel like running, run. If you feel like jumping or whatever, it has to be your experience. You're connecting with the Lord. But it's also in truth. That's the other aspect of worship. It is in spirit and it is in truth. And so to say it's in truth means our worship needs to be accurate. It's worshiping um, according to truth, according to what is true. And so that's the other side of worship. That's the objective side of worship. That's the side of worship that my opinion doesn't matter. And what I say doesn't matter. That God is great and He's worthy to be worshipped. 
that doesn't change. The fact that God deserves our worship, that doesn't change. Everybody ought to worship God. Everybody ought to be active participants in lifting up the Lord because that is worship. He is the one that's worth ship. He is the one that's worthy of that. That's the objective side of worship. And so, do we know who we worship? Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping a God? Or are we worshiping the God? Do we know who we're worshiping? Because the more we know, the better we know the Lord, the deeper our experience, the more effective our worship, the more impacting is our, is our worship, the more we know. So do we know who we worship? And I want you to look at these verses with me, if you would, please, in John chapter 4. Because John chapter 4 is a conversation that a woman from Samaria had with Jesus Christ. And many of you know the story, Jesus Christ, he's, he's traveling, he's, and he said, I must needs go through Samaria, and he travels through this region, this area called Samaria, and he stops at a well in the city of Sychar in the middle of the day. This is where Samaritans abide. The Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. They're, they're racially divided. But Jesus goes into their area, and he sits down at this well in the middle of the day, and here comes a Samaritan woman. And when the woman gets there, he said, give me something to drink. And the woman said to Jesus, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask of me something to drink, me being a Samaritan woman? And so this, this conversation ensues, and they talk about living water. Jesus said, I can offer you some water that, that you'll never thirst again. And the conversation goes on, and it turns to worship. And Jesus takes the opportunity about their racial division here. And begins to talk to them about worship. And he said that in verse 21 that we read earlier. He said, you, uh, excuse me, believe me the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. Notice this verse, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So Jesus is explaining to this woman about worship. He's, and he says, you think worship needs to take place over in this mountain, which is Mount Gezerim. That's where the Samaritans worship. But the Jews, we worship in Mount Jerusalem or in Jerusalem on, Mount, on this mountain. He said, uh, he said, but we know what we worship because salvation is of the Jews. That's because many years ago, God picked Abraham. And he said, from Abraham, I'm going to bless the nations of the world. Salvation is going to come through the offspring of, of Abraham. So Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was named Judah. Judah had offspring. You go down through the lineage in Matthew chapter 1. Judah had, uh, in his lineage, uh, Boaz. Boaz and his descendants there was Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David was a direct ancestor of Jesus Christ. But the point is, is from Abraham all the way down to Jesus Christ. This salvation is coming. Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. Salvation came from the Jews. And the whole point of what Jesus was telling this woman is that we know what we're talking about. When it comes to worship, we know what we're saying because salvation comes through the Jews. And so down in verse 23, he says, But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such 
to worship Him. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then verse 25, Then the woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. So here comes salvation down through Abraham, down to the Messiah. And Jesus is talking to this woman, telling, and then he tells, this woman tells Jesus, she said, now I hear what you're saying, and we do this sometimes, we think we're understanding what's being said, but we want to wait for, we want to wait for the final authority. And this woman says, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called the Christ. When he has come, he'll tell us all things. We'll know for sure. Remember, Jesus had just made this statement to this woman that salvation is of the Jews. We know what we worship. This is an authoritative statement. We know what we worship. And then the woman said, well, I hear you. But when Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. We'll know for sure. But then Jesus looks at that woman and he said, I that speak unto thee and he. He said, I am the Messiah. She said, the light bulb came on. Remember when the light bulb came on? Remember when the Lord showed you who he was? Remember when it began to make sense? Remember when things began to, you understood. The light bulb went off for this woman. And she leaves her water pot. She forgets the whole reason she even came to that well. And she goes back into the city and begins to tell the people in the city, Hey, come see a man who tells me all things. Is he not the Christ? She had a revelation. She had a... She had an aha moment. I see it. I love that when happen, that happens when, when I'm listening to preaching or I'm reading the word of the Lord or I'm, I'm somewhere where the word's being disseminated and all of a sudden it's like, I see it. I may not do that. I may not. But I think, that's incredible. That's am- I love that. I love that revelation moment. When I see something I've never noticed before, I've never seen before. That's what happened to this woman. And so she now understood that the man that was sitting before her at the well of Sychar, he was the Savior of the world. And she said, I've got to do something about it. I'm going to tell you, revelation matters. Worship matters. Who we worship matters. How and who we worship, it matters. Are we worshipers of God? Or are we worshipers of a trinity? Are we worshiping the one true God? Or, do, or in our minds, do we think we're just worshiping a part of God? Verse number 27, this, this woman goes on and says, or the disciples came back and said, Upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see the man, a man which told me all things. Is not this the Christ, because when she got a revelation, she wanted others to see it too. She wanted others, other people, hey, come see this man. Praise the Lord. You know what? In a lot of places today, there is little to no emphasis upon truth. In a lot of places today, it's just like, let's just come together and let's feel good. And I'm not here to criticize people. I'm not here to criticize. I'm just speaking the truth today. In a lot of places, truth is not emphasized, it's not talked about, but truth matters. Who we worship is important. Jesus said, 
We know who we worship for salvation is, a, is of the Jews. That means we better sit up and pay attention. Who are we worshiping? Are we worshiping a false god? Are we worshiping a god? Or are we worshiping the god? People need to know that Jesus is the almighty God. When we don't have a revelation of the awesomeness of Jesus Christ, we're going to neglect our worship with him. When we don't have a revelation, if we lose the wonder, if we lose the awe, we're just going to we're going to stop worshiping him. We're going to neglect our worship. We're going to we're going to find something else to do. We're going to get involved in something else that takes us away from our worship. Our corporate worship and our private worship will no longer be a priority. We'll go off and we'll get busy doing something else and we'll fill our mornings up with something else. We'll fill our Sundays up with other activities and things to do. And we'll forget all about if we lose that revelation and that awesomeness and that greatness of who God is. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. That's why He deserves our worship. That's why He deserves our praise. For He's God. We value that. It's important to us. We need not lose the wonder. We need not lose the awe of God. Amen. Look, look what happened in it on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Turn over that over there in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Look what happened on the day of Pentecost. There's, there's thousands of people in, in Jerusalem for Pentecost for this holy day. The Holy Ghost is poured out. Most of you know the story of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost is poured out. They speak in tongues as they're filled with the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit gives them the ability to speak in tongues. And so there's this great demonstration of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost as 120 people are filled with the Spirit of God. The people that are gathered in Jerusalem, they want to know, what's going on? What's happening? Are these people drunk? What's, what's going on? And so Peter stops him and he says, wait a minute. They're not drunk as you think they are. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He said, this is that which was spoken by Joel the prophet. Last day saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The Holy Ghost was poured out. Prophecy was fulfilled. So Peter preaches a sermon. And he preaches Jesus. And he gets to the end of his sermon. I want you to look at these verses here with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He said this. He's coming to the conclusion of his message. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Here's Peter boldly proclaiming. Don't, don't miss what's happening. What happens right here is the same thing that happened in John chapter 4 that we just read. Because Peter said, Jesus, he is both, it's the very last phrase of this verse. Jesus is both Lord and and Christ. This is important because God's not a trinity. And I'm not bashing Trinitarians. They're my friends. But God is not a trinity because God hath made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ. Peter was boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ, he is both the Savior of the world and he is the Lord God. He is God in flesh. And I'm going to tell you that whenever that happened on that at the conclusion of that message, revelation hit those people. They now understood that the, the, the man who hung on the cross, that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was not just any ordinary man, but he is God come in flesh. And they understood that. 
and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said Peter to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Because when people get a revelation, it's like, I have to do something. When people get that aha moment in the Word of God or the Spirit of God lights them up, it's like, I've got to change. I can't stay this way. I cannot remain in my sin because sin, their, their sin that they were a part of here in Acts chapter 2, they finally came to the realization. They were pricked in their heart. And they said, what do we have to do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It matters who we worship, folks. Praise the Lord. And so when they understood this revelation, Peter preaches the gospel. This is the same gospel we preach today. Amen. It's the same apostolic Pentecostal gospel that's been preached for 2,000 plus years. There is no other gospel. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what any other preacher says. If it's not repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it is an incomplete message. Praise the Lord. That is the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it says in verse number 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They responded in obedience. When we realize who Jesus is, we're going to obey His word. Amen. We are going to obey His word. If we ever get a revelation, we're, going to, we're not going to be complacent. We're not going to be lackadaisical. We're not going to be lethargic spiritually. We're going to get on fire for God. If we ever get a true revelation of who God is, if God ever lights our fire, amen, that's what we need. Praise the Lord. This is not the time to mess around. We need to be living for God. And so it says in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. I like that word, they continued. Because it was not a one Sunday wonder. It wasn't, we're just going to come to church one Sunday, we're going to get, we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a, you know, a one time at the altar, and then fall right back into where we came from. But it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. It wasn't this flash in a pan experience with God, but they got the real deal. It's amazing what revelation will do for you. Amen. It, it, it's something. Whenever your eyes are open to the greatness and the wonderful, the wonder of God, amen, He is both Lord and Christ. And so the Jews at Pentecost, they needed a revelation. Peter preached it. They believed it, that God was manifest in the flesh. Praise the Lord. Do we know who we worship? A lot of people today, they de-emphasize truth. A lot of people, they don't want to talk about doctrine. They don't want to talk about teaching. But Jesus valued teaching. Jesus emphasized teaching. He said it's important. In fact, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn over there with me now. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus had a conversation with his disciples.
like what he said in verse number 13. He said, it says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? This is so important that Jesus stopped and he asked his disciples. He asked his followers, who do you think I am? Nah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter who, what songs you sing. It doesn't matter what, you know. It's, it's just all feel good and let's all just go to heaven together. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Jesus would not have asked that question if it wasn't an important question. Doctrine matters. Truth matters. He asked them. And so they said in verse number 14, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Jesus is not interested in what others were saying about him. He's looking at Peter and John and James and Matthew. Who do you think I am? Whom do, whom do you say that I am? I don't, I don't want to know other people's opinions. Who do you think that I am? And it was Peter that spoke up. Verse number 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That's revelation. Peter said it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had that aha moment. There it is. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was revelation to know that Jesus Christ himself was the Christ. He was the Son or the body of the living God. This was, this was an important time. And so you go on down into verse number 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, thou shalt be, shalt be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Peter had that revelation. He had that understanding. And the Lord told him, he said, Peter, upon this rock, what rock? This understanding. Upon this rock, I am going to build my church. And he said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Now, what do gates do? Gates, gates prevent passage. Gates prevent uh, somebody from, from going through. They, they, they stop people. That's what those gates are for. And he's talking about the gates of hell. The gates of hell lock people out. They, they lock people out of revelation. They lock people out of, out of truth. They lock people back, hold people back. But he said, Peter, here's the keys. The gates of hell cannot prevail. So Peter, here's the keys. The keys of the kingdom. Revelation unlocks doors. Revelation is new understanding. It's important who we worship. Amen. This is what Revelation is all about. And our worship, our worship stems from our experience and our understanding of God. When God reaches down and He saves somebody and He turns their life around, you often see that in their expression toward God, in, in, in their appreciation and their thanksgiving. They are grateful for God. They may shed tears of joy. They may jump and shout, but they're excited. It's, their worship stems from their experience. Our worship 
comes from our relationship and our understanding of God. Do we know the Lord? Do we know who the Lord is? I get excited singing some of the old hymns. Down from His glory, ever-loving story, ever-living story. My God and Savior came and Jesus was His name. I get excited singing things like that, singing all in Him. Amen. It thrills my soul because there's something about revelation. And we don't take it for granted. We don't take our understanding of the Word of the Lord for granted. But we cherish God's Word. Amen. It's important we know who we worship, who we are walking with. Do we know who we worship the Lord? In Acts chapter 9, it goes on and tells the story of Saul's conversion. If you want to turn over to Acts chapter 9 with me. We can read about this man who became the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. Acts chapter 9, verse number 3. says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. Heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now I want you to stop here and just think about, put yourself in Saul's shoes. Saul was very educated. He was very intelligent. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, which was a very well-known, respected rabbi, school of rabbis, the school of Gamaliel, the feet of Gamaliel. He he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Saul was not unlearned at all. And so he has this experience with God, this bright light, and he hears the Lord speaking to him. And the Lord's telling Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I'm just using my imagination here, but I imagine that that Saul was thinking, I'm working for you. What do you mean persecuting you? I'm not persecuting you. I'm doing great work for you. I'm going to arrest these Christians who are are trying uh, trying to change what the law was all about. And so Saul, he asked the question. He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. (sighs) The aha moment. The revelation now came to Saul. Whoa. I thought I was was right. I thought I knew God. I thought I was following the right God. But the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord... What wilt thou have me to do? And he said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Two of the most very important questions that we can ever ask the Lord. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to do? That's what Saul asked. Lord, who are you? What do you want me to do? If we're going to be a worshiper, we better know who we're worshiping. We need to make sure we understand who it is we are worshiping. Saul did not know that Jesus was actually the Lord. He did not understand that the God he was following was actually Jesus Christ. Amen. Christianity over the years, they have complicated worship. Through the years, you look back on Christian history, they have complicated who Jesus is because they tried to make him the second person in the Trinity. But no place in the Scripture does Jesus ever identify himself as a part of God, or, a th- or one of three persons of God. All that came two and three hundred years after Jesus was ever here on this earth. But 
you know, so people have complicated it, and they said, well, it's an incomprehensible trinity. That's what people say, it's incomprehensible trinity. But it's not that difficult, it's not that hard. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus made it very, very clear. John 10, 30. He said, I and my Father are one. That's, that's a significant statement. That's just not a passing statement. Because you, have, you notice in the very next verse, their reaction. And I didn't get the verses in the computer, but verse 31 says this. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why would they even take up stones? Because he was equating himself with the Father, which is God. They took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him. Notice verse 33, if you can see it there in your Bible. Then the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They didn't want that. They didn't want to know that. But Jesus was saying, I am the Father. I am God. Praise the Lord. And Jesus went on to say in, in John 14, 9, 14, 9, there it is. He said, this is later. He said, he said to Philip and the apostles, he said, Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet thou hast not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I'm not here to criticize anybody. I'm not here to judge anybody's experience or their understanding of the gospel or their understanding of scriptures. But you know how you go to the eye doctor sometimes, and the eye doctor will put you in the chair, and they will put those things up to your eyes, and they'll say, okay, I want you to tell me which one is better, one or two. Is it the way your eye doctor does it? And they say, and they'll, they'll click it, and you look at it, and then they'll click to another lens. Now, which one's better, one or two? Uh, one. Okay, and then they'll go to the, the next. Okay, tell me now, three or four. And you look at both of them and tell them four. Now, okay, now five or six. And they'll click two more lenses in front of your eyes. And they're sitting there writing things down and figuring out which lenses work best for your eyes. But what they're doing is they're trying to get you to see clearer. They're, getting, they're trying to get you to see something. They want you to see things you can't see now. They want, they want to get you to see things further out to understand, to see things that you, you're not able to see at the time. And so I'm not here to criticize anybody in their understanding of Scripture. I just want people to see things they've never seen before. I want people to focus on things that they have bypassed and just, you know, just, just kind of just nonchalantly just pass by. I want people to know Jesus Christ is the Almighty God in flesh. Amen. It's not complicated. God did not have this triune thing in, in heaven. That's not what it's all. It's just that God came in flesh and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Praise the Lord. I had the opportunity yesterday. Uh, no, yeah, Monday, Tuesday. It was yesterday, Tuesday. Sorry, the days are running. I was, yesterday I went up to the campground. I was working with Brother Gary Maxwell, Sister Lynette Jones's uncle. And uh, we were working on the camp house there, the caretaker's house. And uh, anyway, uh, there was a neighbor that lives right around the corner from the the campground, just a man, uh, he's a little bit older than I am, but uh, he just volunteered to help, his name was Carl, so Carl was out there helping Brother Maxwell and I work on this house, and uh, and he had been there before some other day when I wasn't there, and Brother Maxwell was sitting there talking to him about scripture, and, and 
Brother Ma- I, in fact, I told Brother Maxwell later, I said, you're a lot like your mother because he was just pouring it on scripture after scripture after scripture. Just, and, and Brother Maxwell took us to lunch, and we ate some lunch. And, and so it was just the three of us, Carl, Brother Maxwell, and myself, and we're sitting there eating. And Brother Maxwell had a captive audience, and he was just sharing scripture, talking about Jesus, who he was, just trying to get Carl to understand. Carl had knew the Bible. He knew scriptures, but Brother Maxwell is just taking that opportunity to share with him. That's what we want. We want people to know the truth. Amen. We're not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. We want them to know who Jesus is. Amen. It is important who we worship. Amen. There's only one spirit. There is not multiple spirits. There are not three spirits. Amen. There's not, a, there's not multiple persons. There's not parts. There are not divisions in God. There's only one God who is a spirit who revealed himself in the body of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's that simple. One spirit who revealed himself in the body of Jesus Christ, and his name is Jesus. That's it. I mean, he's the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of his person. That's, that's it. That's all there is to it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that in the face of Jesus Christ, the glory of God, we have knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's how we see God. So it's a beautiful truth, and we don't have to complicate it. The gospel... The gospel, the word of God, is so profound, it is so deep, it is inexhaustible. But yet, on the other hand, it is so simple. God makes it simple enough for a child to understand. Amen. But there is one spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 9, I'll, I'll come to a close here. But Romans chapter 8, verse number 9 says, If you are not in the flesh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I want you to notice that verse for a minute because it says, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. The Spirit of God. And then he makes the statement about if any man have not the Spirit of Christ. You see, it says the Spirit of, same verse, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. Now, that's not two spirits. It's the same Spirit. Because all the fullness of God dwelt in him bodily. There is only one spirit that indwelt the man Jesus Christ. That is the spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of God. And so Paul said this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit. Somebody say one spirit. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one. This is why every person has to have the Holy Ghost. Everybody that's in the body of Jesus Christ. They must be baptized in the Spirit. One Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Amen. One Spirit, one Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. No confusion. There is no division. There is one body. This is Ephesians 4.4. And one Spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, in you all, or through you all, and in you all. Amen. I'm thankful today we know who we worship. There's no question in our mind to whom we're praying. When we bow down in worship or we lift our hands in worship to the Lord, it's not a question in our mind. Do I pray to the Spirit? Do I talk to Jesus alone on this one? Do I call on God the Father? There's no question. It's just we're talking to the Lord. The one Lord, one God. Amen. So 
truth matters. Who Jesus is matters. Who we worship matters. Amen. If you're taking notes, I'm going to wrap up here, but if you're taking notes, here's some verses you can add to your notes. John chapter 7, verses 40 through 46. John 7, 40 through 46. And then John chapter 8, verses 19 through 27. John chapter 8, verses 19 through 27. You can look those up later. But we know what we know what we know. And we don't say that in any kind of arrogant way or any kind of conceited way. It's just that the Lord has enlightened our eyes so that we can see who He is. And you know what? When we get, on, when we get to heaven, I shouldn't have turned my phone off here. Let me see if I can get this pulled up here. Give me just a minute. That's not going to work. Oh, wait. Give me one second here. John chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 4. I'm getting there. Revelation chapter 4, look at this verse. Why don't you stand with me if you would, please. After this I looked, behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. This is kind of a picture of the church leaving the earth right here. The Lord's talking to John, the, John the Revelator. But it's a picture of what the church rising, the trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to heaven. He said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Only one sat on the throne. Now again, I'm not trying to be antagonistic. I'm not trying to be judgmental or criticized. But if, if God is three, where are the other two? But when we get to heaven, we're going to see one. You know who we're going to see? We're going to see God in flesh, and His name is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. That's who we're going to see. And then we're going to take those crowns off of our heads, and we're going to cast them before the throne, and we're going to worship Him forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. So it matters who you worship. It matters who you worship here because that's who we're going to worship when we get to heaven. Amen. And that's what our hope is. That's what we're looking forward to. Everlasting worship, eternal worship, and I'm not going to miss it for the world. Literally and figuratively, there is nothing in this world that I'm going to give up to miss heaven for. Would you praise him with me as we dismiss? Lord, we worship you, and we bless that name that is above every name. God, we give you glory and honor and thanksgiving because you alone deserve it, Lord. You are higher than any God on this, in this earth. Lord, you truly are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we give our worship to you, Lord. We give our hearts to you in praise. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve tonight.